You're listening to the Lompoc Foursquare Church Podcast. Today, as we continue to speak about the servant Jesus, that we are to love and live as loved, as loved. Some people will love you because they expect something back from you. They want you to buy a product. They want you to be a part of their multi-level marketing program. Some people will love you. By the way, I'm an easy target. I, I, boy, I've been had every spiel done to me. So if that's you, don't, don't bother calling me because I'm not going to sell herbs, plastic, or makeup. But anyway, uh, nothing against that. I'm just not doing it. And, uh, but, but the interesting point is a lot of people love because there's always a, a heart to have uh, love reciprocated back to them. But Jesus loved a world, many of which who would never love him. Think about it. This last uh, January marks 60 years that five missionaries went into Ecuador. Many of you might know the story, the end of the spear. Maybe you saw a movie, maybe you read an article. But these five incredible missionaries went to the Alca Indians, and they wanted to share the love of Christ with them. And they ended up dying really martyrs for their faith. But that story in itself itself is not all the love that I want to talk about. I want to talk about what happened after these five men were killed. Their wives went back. Some of their family members went back and continued to share the love of Christ with that same tribe. And it's noted that the majority of that tribe, because of the love that these men showed and their families showed, By going back to them, the majority of that tribe gave their lives to Jesus Christ and started to study his word and worshiped him. It's it's more than our minds can handle. The Bible is filled with all kinds of stories like this one in different ways where people reached out and shared and cared. And many of you have heard, no doubt, the story of Jim Elliott, which is one of the, the most prominent of these missionaries. And one of his quotes is, He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He gave up his life trying to love people and share the love of Christ with them. The love of Christ, in your notes, transforms the character of our love. John Ortberg, author and pastor of Menlo Park Presbyterian Church, wrote in his book, Who is This Man? He said, where did the idea come from? of a world gathered together, people of every gender, every nationality, every status, like a family. Where before Jesus was there a movement that actively sought to include every single human being, regardless of nationality, ethnicity, status, income, gender, moral background, or education, to be loved and transformed. Not only had there never been a community like this before, but there simply had never been the idea of a community like this before. It was Jesus' idea, and it was happening. The body of Christ is really the idea of Jesus Christ, where we come together as a community. And my dream for you personally, my dream for us collectively as a church called Lompoc Foursquare or LFC, is that we would be family, the family that Jesus envisioned. I, I don't want for you to walk into this place and spectate and walk out as lonely and as disconnected as you came in. 
There's a lot of people who really enjoy isolation today. And one of the things that I was reading a study about is how isolated we become because we have these things called smartphones that at times are really dumb. We have iPads and computers and Facebook and Pinterest and Instagram and Twitter and Periscope and Snapchat. And now we have Facebook Live. And after a while, it's just everybody's connected, but nobody's connected. Have you noticed? Everybody's together, but nobody's with anybody. And how many times have you seen it? They're all together at dinner and everybody's looking down. The other day, my wife, Debbie, said to me these kind words, just loving words. Put that thing away. (laughs) You know? And she was so right. I was out with her and my daughter, Jamie, and I wasn't really paying attention to either one of them. You know, the world was going by and people had walked by, hey, Pastor B, how are you? You know, we can do it. We got to check the latest news and the latest score and the latest thing. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. We can redeem technology. But God has called us to love one another. Jesus has set an example for us to love each other. There's two passages of Scripture I want to look at in the time we have remaining. The first one is Ephesians 5. So if you have Ephesians 5, uh, let's go there. And it says in verse 1 and 2, Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children. So when I say that we're to love because we are loved, we live in love as love, that's exactly what he tells us here, is you love as dearly loved children, and then do what? Walk what? Walk the way of love. You know, walk this way, Jesus would say. I guess that's a song, isn't it? But but Jesus says, walk the way that I've walked. Walk the way of love. Just as, and in my notes, that's a 29 font. Just as Christ loved us and what? Gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So Paul writes to the Christians at Ephesus, The first three chapters of that book are all doctrinal chapters, and the last three chapters are all practical chapters. Here's how I want you to live. And he says these words, follow God's example. And the word in the Greek is where we get our word mimic from. Mimic. It's where we copy someone else. And really the main point that I want to just give you today, if this is all you get, is just write it down, is to love and live as loved. We love out of being loved. We love, as Romans 5 says, the the love of God's been poured out into our hearts. And he takes our little puny hearts (laughs) and he grabs this big pitcher of love and he cracks our little heart open when we say, come and be a part of my life, Jesus. And he takes a funnel and he wedges it in and he just starts pouring in love. Just think about it, the love of God. And love is not just a characteristic of God. Love is his character. And he's pouring his love into us so we might love others. And we give away the love that he's given to us. I wanted to show you a little video clip. We kind of cut it off because there's some other announcements at the end. But I just want you to catch a couple of things about how we mimic. Remember the old phrase like father like son? You're too young to remember. But anyway, take a look at this.
That, that ends at the end with uh, this father helping uh, the lady who broke all these items that she was carrying in a grocery bag, and the son actually gets to help this lady too that he's never met. I just think how many people watch us and they mimic us. If you're a parent, I just got to tell you, that's true. But that's also true for children of God because we're to look at God and we're looking at Jesus and how we live. First Peter 1, 14 and 16 says, As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, but just as he who called you is holy, what's he say? So be holy in all you do, for it's written, Be holy because I'm holy. And people go, oh, well, that, that's, that's a tall order. How do I be holy? Just do everything that you saw Jesus do, because Jesus later will tell us in John 15 that we are to follow him because he disclosed to us everything about who God was. See, in your notes, live your life in love. It doesn't mean you're going to agree with everyone. Important, please. This is important. Some people are saying now, you don't love me if you don't agree with me. And I had this happen not too long ago where somebody was talking about their brand of religion and their views about God. And I said, well, you're entitled to have your belief and your faith. I choose not to believe the way you believe, but I will still love you. And they said, you can't love me if you don't agree with me. Interesting. You're arrogant, they said. You're narrow-minded, they said. Oh, no. I'm not narrow. I'm <laughs> huh? And they wanted to equate my signing off with their personal beliefs or their religious beliefs with love. That's not love. Love has the ability to disagree and be kind. Love has the ability, and I have never seen in my years our country more polarized than it is right now. And I've never seen people more hungry for genuine love. And they're still, in the words of the great song, looking for love in all the wrong places, aren't they? How about John 15? If you'd turn there, John 15, verse 12 to 16. He says, I want to give you this command. It's not a suggestion, it's a command. Love each other as I have loved you. Love and live as you have been loved. Greater love has no one than this to lay down their lives for their friends you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. But I want you to know my business. I've disclosed everything to you. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I have learned from my father, I've made known to you. See, Paul teaches us to follow God's example and Jesus teaches us that he is God's example. We've watched this Savior Jesus come from heaven to earth, the most powerful person in the universe. We, we, we talked about him weeks ago when he's the most powerful person in the room. He gets down and washes the disciples' feet, and then we talked about him being the most powerful person on the planet. He allows himself to be lifted up to the cross to die for our sins. But listen to the rest of what he says. He says in verse 16 and 17, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. He starts by saying, love each other, and he ends by saying, love each other. The most important command of all.
The love of, of Jesus is really seen, number one, as He gave His all for us. Greater love has no one than this, than He lays down His life for His friends. Remember, Jesus was not a martyr. He wasn't killed. He gave His life up for us. It wasn't taken from Him. I remember years ago talking to a guy about Ephesians 5, and it says, husbands, love your wives as, does anybody know? As Christ loved the church. Come on, ladies, you should be on this. This should be on your refrigerator. As Christ loved the church and gave himself for it, right? And he looked at his wife and he said, honey, if I ever have occasion to die for you, I will lay down my life for you. Later on, I said to him, I go, man, that'll probably never happen. Because, well, if it did, then I'd give my life for her and she wouldn't have to deal with me anymore. And <laughs> I want you to think about love this way. Pretend you have $10,000 in an account. It's your love account. And if you gave that $10,000, it would be like dying. Here, 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 here it is, paid in full, I'm out, done. But I want you to think about your $10,000 this way. You go to the bank and you ask the teller, I would like $10,000 in quarters, please. And every time you love, you're just giving a quarter. Every time you listen to somebody where you'd rather talk, every time you're kind, every time you sacrifice, and sometimes the need will be so significant that you'll give four quarters. You'll give a whole buck away. See your love that way. It's not just, here I am, I'm, I'm, I'm able to give you this whole chunk of love, I'll die for you. But no, every time that we are willing to give and every time that we're willing to, to listen instead of talk and, and to comfort. I sat with a gentleman a few weeks ago, and, and a great question. He said, you know, I'm really trying to get my mind around Christ on the cross. And he died for me, and, and I, I've heard everybody say, for God so loved the world, he gave, and, and it's like, okay, I, I get that. I'm supposed to look at the cross and say, thank you for loving me, but and maybe, maybe somebody here watching online had this same issue. He's having trouble grasping how he's supposed to connect love with that. And again, I don't want to diminish the cross, because without the cross, we can't be saved. Without the cross, we can't be forgiven. Without the cross of Jesus and him shedding his blood, we can't go to heaven. I get all that, and that is the essence of the gospel. But when he was done talking, something just, just compelled me to tell him stories. And I said, again, the cross is the ultimate sign of love. No greater love has any man than this. He lays out his life for his friends. But I said... Why don't you think about this, this woman, the story of this woman who was caught in adultery and guilt and shame and, and she was about to be stoned to death and Jesus comes and acknowledges her. She's an outcast. The people that had the stones in their hand, they had the law behind them that she should be stoned to death. And Jesus comes and rescues her out of a heart of love. See, see him that way. I said to this gentleman, have you ever felt guilt and shame in your life? Have you ever felt embarrassed for what you did or said or thought or felt? Something you did when no one was watching, just you and God? Then see Jesus that way coming to you. How about loss in your life? Think about Jesus coming to the family of Lazarus. And Lazarus is dead and Jesus weeps. He doesn't just have sympathy, he has empathy and he, 
and he feels the same pain that they feel. Have you ever been there? I said to this gentleman, where you've had so much pain in your life. Maybe you lost a loved one. Maybe you lost a job. Maybe you, your dreams are shattered and broken. And Jesus comes into those moments, and he cries with you. And what about a crazy story? Blind Bartimaeus. The guy is blind. He can't see. And Jesus asks him this question. What do you want me to do for you? Come on, Jesus. He's blind. Why do you have to ask? But I think there was more to the story than just he was blind. He was dealing with the fact that he couldn't even see people unless he heard them speak or could smell them. He didn't even know who was coming near him. He couldn't see the colors of the rainbow. He couldn't see the beautiful flowers. Maybe he needed to be healed from more than his blindness, but all that the blindness caused him to feel emotionally and the residue of that. And, and I started going through story after story. I said, do you remember the guy you ever heard the story about this guy who couldn't walk and there was this pool of water and the angel would come with his finger and stir it up and Jesus comes and sees this man who can't walk and the guy's complaining. I said, have you ever complained before? He said, yeah. See, next service, they're the complainers, not you guys. But <laughs> instead of saying, Jesus, heal me, he says, I have nobody here to put me in the water when the water gets dirty. And people are cutting me off in line. Huh? And Jesus says to him, in the midst of his whining and complaining and his feeling like he's inadequate, just, just go ahead and dip in the water. You're, you're going to be healed. And for the first time, this gentleman began to see the love of God in the circumstances of his own life. Because all through the scriptures, we see the love of Jesus to people. You know, young moms, you think you're the only young mom who's ever existed? I know that. Only one. One mom said, do you know what it's like to change diapers? I'm the only woman who's ever had to do it. <laughs> Get over yourself, sweetheart. You ain't the only one, you know. But Jesus cares about that. He cares about you and your kids when they're sick in the night. He cares about every aspect of our life. That's the kind of love that he has. And he says to us in verse 15 of John 15, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I want you to part of what I'm doing. I want you to know everything that I know. The second thing is that Jesus shares all that he has with us. He discloses himself to us. He doesn't hide anything from us. You can read the Gospels and you won't find Jesus hiding anything about who he is and about who God is. He's real clear. I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. And he says to us, everything I learned from the Father, I want you to have. I want you to be connected. Let me just tell you about love. Love is risky business. And if you're going to be more than superficial with people, you're going to get burned, you're going to be disappointed, you're going to be misunderstood. But you're also going to have places and Spaces where people connect with you. And I know we have a world that's at arm's length with everybody. Who do you trust and where do you go? And I'm not contending that you tell everybody your business. There's very few people I tell my business to. I learned the hard way. Yeah. Oh, by the way, if you don't know if you can trust somebody, make up a story. It's, it's, no, it's, it's okay. I gave you permission. Just make up a story like, you know what, I got a call from President Obama and they're going to have me go to the White House and 
I'm going to be an interior designer, ladies. I'm going to head up security. I mean, make up a bogus story, but say, shh, don't tell anybody. And then just listen. You know? I, I, I made up a story once. I told a friend, a guy that I wondered about, I said, uh, Foursquare called me, and they want me to be the, the president. We're going to have a secret election. Matter of fact, I'm a shoe-in. They already told me I'm going to win, so no matter how you vote, it doesn't matter. I mean, I made this, this cockamamie story, and I said, but you can't tell anybody. Two days later, three pastors called me. <laughs> Is it true, Bernie? Are you the next president? Is there going to be a bogus ballot? Are you? <laughs> so I said, well, I know I can't trust those three, and I can't trust the original guy who told me the story. So I called him up, and I said, hey, I want to let you know something. That story about me being president was just a test. You failed the test. God bless you. Click. Okay, so <laughs> find, out, find out if you can trust people. Some of you are going, wow, he's weird. No, I'm not. I'm smart. Okay. Jesus chose us. He wants us to be connected to him as friends. He chose us. He chose us. John 15, 16 says, you did not choose me, but, come on, I chose you and so that you might go and bear fruit. Now, what kind of fruit are you going to bear? Well, if you read the whole passage, you're going to bear the kind of fruit that Jesus pours into you, but the number one fruit is love. Because love's going to leave a legacy. How you take care of the next generation, how you love your spouse, how you love your neighbor, how you love those in the church. If you're single, how do you love your friends? Okay, so we're going to do a little survey here, real quick survey. Uh, today at 1 o'clock, hypothetical, hypothetical survey, at 1 o'clock, we're going to have some chefs out front, gourmet chefs. And uh, we have a table on the right that has perfectly cooked, okay, special beef tri-tip, perfectly cooked. And for those of you that don't like beef, we have flown in fresh Northwestern salmon, okay, uh, with different kinds of glaze. How about that? That's on the right table. And then on the left table, we have liver and onions. How many are picking the right table? This guy, I need a survey here. How many are picking the left table with the, with, the, with the liver and onions? Good, good, good. Now, for those of you that are vegetarian and vegan, I got you covered. We have some baby greens that were flown in, and we have organic uh, we have organic bok choy, and we have organic, uh, let's see, we have organic uh, beans, and we have organic artichokes, and we're going to make this special stir-fry with, uh, with, with natural brown rice, or, or we're going to have liver and onions. How many of you? <laughs> so this goes on and on and on if we had time, and, and it ends by saying this. You choose what you like. You choose what you like. And when the scripture says that God chose you, you have to hear this. He chose you because he likes you. He chose you because he wants you. He could have said, okay, you know, this person, this person, oh, forget you, circle around you, next, next. No, he chose you because he likes you. And he wants you to be a part of his family. 
When I was growing up, I still remember this day of revelation for me. My sister, I looked in the photo album, they had pictures of her being born, like 12 pages. Huh? And then there was pictures of her first haircut, and there was pictures of her first coat, and pictures, I mean, pictures. So four years later, my brother is born. Some pictures. And then four years after that, I'm born. There's like one picture. <laughs> huh? You know how parents are, right? And I got this complex. I said, hey, mom, there's hardly any pictures of me. What happened? Well, you know, when you have your first one, you snap, snap. The second one, not so much. The third one, well, you've already done it twice, you know. <laughs> hey, listen. God's got tons of pictures of you in his photo album. Tons. If he had a smartphone, you're on the screen. And you know what? When, when you do something that just makes him smile, he tells all the angels about it. Somebody's going to email me, what scripture is that? I don't know. <laughs> but, I, but I believe God rejoices. Well, if all of heaven rejoices when somebody comes home to Jesus, I believe all of heaven rejoices when we talk about Jesus. I believe when we pray with someone, when we love somebody with the love of God, we try to bear much fruit, John 15. I think the Lord smiles. And then number four, Jesus commanded us to love each other. I saw this uh, letter in the newspaper. It was in the announcement section. Uh, it, went, it went global. It says, Dearest Jimmy, no words could ever express the great unhappiness I felt since breaking our engagement. I'm so sorry that I left you. Please say that you'll take me back. No one could ever take your place in my heart, ever, ever, ever. So please forgive me. I love you, I love you, I love you. Yours forever, Marie. P.S. And congratulations on winning the lottery. That's not love. John 15, 9 to 12 says, If the Father has loved me, so I've loved you. Now remain where? In my love. And if you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commands, and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you, and that my joy may be complete. I know some of you are tired right now. You're facing all kinds of stuff. And when you're tired, it's hard to love people. Some of you have professions where you deal with the public. Some of you are teachers. God bless you. School just started and you're waiting for summer to come. <laughs> and you have that kid in your class. And the only thing worse than that kid is his parents. <laughs> huh? And by the way, I can talk about that kid because I was him. I spent more time in the vice principal's office than anybody. And my initials, last I checked, are still carved in the bench underneath where you'd go see the vice principal. I was stupid enough to carve my initials under there. And guess who walked out? The vice principal himself. What are you doing, Bernie? Well, I figured since I'm here so much, I might as well have a placard to tell you where I'm supposed to sit. Some of you are tired. 
But don't stop letting God's love touch your heart. And don't let that love just stop with you. Make sure it goes beyond you. As we end, Jesus gave his disciples a brand new commandment to love one another. Now, it really wasn't new except for the fact in the Greek that word means unusual. And who did he tell? He told the disciples. That means Matthew and Peter, you guys got to get along. And that means you have to stop being envious about John, who's the one that I love. You got to get over your conceit. You got to get over your, your arrogance and your pride. He said, you guys love one another. Stop having bad attitudes, he said. He just said, you love one another, and there's no qualifier. Listen, I'm going to tell you, say this again. There are people in this church that you would gain so much from just getting to know them. There are people in this church that desperately need your love. There are kids, you heard about it this morning, that desperately need your love. And there's a community out there that needs to know the love of God through us. Anybody can be mean and cantankerous, and anybody can carve their initials in the vice principal's bench. But the best thing to do is to say, Lord, I want to be challenged to love. So let me ask you a couple of questions. How can you love differently and more like Jesus? And what if you raise your love to a new level for your family, for your friends, for your coworkers, for your community? What what would happen? I believe you would bear fruit and fruit that would become your legacy because love is a great legacy to leave. As we are a church that believes in love and serve. Love God, love people, serve God and serve people. We're following the servant Jesus. Thank you for listening to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. To find out more about Lompoc Foursquare Church or to watch us live online, please visit mylfc.com.